This week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss what the Dell. Pre-installed software flaw exposes Dells to remote hacking. A threat actor goes on a power trip. And finally, Cartoon Network dances on air. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 12, recorded on May 6th, 2019. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, the Punisher, LaBelle, with me co-host Emily, born to be a hacker, and last but not least, Tim, what the helming? Those some mighty fine puns there. It's all Tim. That was all me, wasn't it? It was. All right, I'm taking the next week off. Somebody (laughs) else has got to do them. (laughs) It's pun vacation. People have tried to get that for weeks. It's hard to get PTO, you know. Pun time time off. off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're on to you there. (laughs) Punisher. The Punisher. The Punisher. I think you should just adopt that generally here at the office. You should get them to make you a... uh, uh, email alias. Yeah. The Punisher. Okay, got that. That is the Punisher at domaintools.com for any comments that you might have about this podcast. Tweet me at puns and roses. There's an extra S there. I'll <laughs> be honest. Roses. You can find me there. The Punisher. Anyways, we have <laughs> lots of important things to discuss this week. Um, and some fantastic headlines. This was all a very team-oriented effort with the puns. Um, And this title might be my favorite thus far, which is What the Dell? Um, And this Emily came up with this. Um, I did. So this gentleman named Bill, a 17-year-old gentleman, um, an independent security researcher, has discovered a critical remote code execution vulnerability in the Dell Support Assist utility that actually comes pre-installed on most Dell computers. So... Emily, first of all, what is this utility? What is sort of the sort of workflow or function associated with this support assist? Yeah, so the Dell support assist utility, like you mentioned, comes pre-installed on most Dell computers. And what it's designed to do is to, quote, proactively check the health of your system's hardware and software. So basically, it runs like a web server locally on the system, and it can accept various commands from Dell. Um, It can, you know check for updates or what have you. In this particular instance, um, uh, the researcher, Bill, he found it when the utility was able to automatically um, detect his PC when he was looking for some uh, device drivers that he needed for his new Dell. Um, So it's supposed to be kind of a making your life easier kind of tool and has some like update capabilities as well. You know what should be pre-installed on a brand new computer? Absolutely nothing. Nothing! <laughs> I mean, maybe an operating system, but <laughs> it it seems like, I mean, the irony of this, it's always these, like, support utilities mm-hmm. that have these problems, isn't it? Like, just stop. Just let us have an OS. The OSs have gotten really good at helping you manage your stuff and even be relatively secure, right? But But the vendors do really like to just keep adding these little, these little doodads that cause... Vulnerabilities, issues, yeah. vulnerabilities, yeah. And they're always trying to make something easier, I feel like, on the end user. And what that ends up doing is making it easier for the attacker exactly. as well. Exactly. Yep. Who exactly are they supporting? <laughs> what what side are you on, question? anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So it sounds like there is a specific vulnerability associated. Um, can you give us some details on that, Emily? Yeah. So in this case, the vulnerability that Bill discovered um, has been labeled CVE 2019-3719. And in this case, it's a vulnerability um, that can allow for remote code execution. So uh, if the attacker can bypass the refer origin check that the utility uses to get commands from Dell, uh, he or she can then send their own commands to the system. And obviously those commands can be used for whatever they want. They can be used to get data. They can be used to you know, get into the system in some way. And Bill, the security researcher, actually identified four ways that you can do this. Um, you could do it via cross-site scripting um, on any of Dell's websites, via a subdomain takeover vulnerability. You can make a request from the local program, or you can generate a random subdomain name and use an external machine to hijack the victim and then respond with your own server. And that last one is the one that he ended up going with. Um, and then he used a man-in-the-middle attack to trick the utility into accepting his malicious payload. He was able to actually demo this in a video of him successfully doing it, uh, but he did the responsible thing and disclosed it to Dell many months ago and waited for them to patch it before he released it to the public. So Dell has since patched this and they released a um, advisory about it. And then uh, Bill, the security researcher, released a pretty good write-up about it as well. So he um, disclosed it responsibly. So if you update, if you have this particular utility on your Dell machine and you update it, you should be good to go. I definitely accurately called Bill a gentleman then. Quite a bit of maturity for a 17-year-old. For sure, for sure. I am very impressed by his handling of this this vulnerability as well as his write-up as I was reading through it. It did not sound like I'm thinking about me when I was 17 and like, I don't know, man, I don't think my write-up would have been that professional. It would have been, it would have sounded different. So hats <laughs> off to Bill. For being wise the kids are all ears. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No emojis in the write-up. Uh, you know, uh, at least minimal like emoji. Actually, yeah, I feel okay. like I, at, at 27 now, would put an emoji in my write-up if I had one. So. <laughs> I feel like okay. we might be devolving. Like, are we going back to hieroglyphics? Hieroglyphics. I feel like that. Oh, but that's honestly, a good point. Here's You're the thing really about that. Emoji. This is uh, a bit of a tangent. But my take on that is that it's actually not a bad thing because we can transcend language barriers. That true. is true. That's a good point. A face is universal. Patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, then, it sounds like the vulnerability was not exploited in the wild. Is that correct? Yeah, my understanding is that at least it hasn't been identified as having been exploited prior to Dell being able to patch it. Um, but of course, now that the proof of concept code is out there, anybody can probably go ahead and exploit this if they want to on on non-patched systems, excuse me. So you have to make sure your system's up to date and then you should be good. But if you have an outdated utility, it is possible that attackers or bad guys, if you will, may be starting to use this particular vulnerability. So I think people should patch it, but the alternative, you know, for people who are savvy about this stuff is also just to get rid of it entirely. Oh, 100%. Just delete that thing. Yeah. It's kind of like the equivalent of peeling all those stickers off the laptop. You know, I don't know if they do. They still have Windows stickers and all kinds of other. It used to be you got a new laptop. If it wasn't an Apple one, had a whole bunch of stickers on it. And so you had to take those off and then you had to go inside and do the electronic equivalent of that and remove all the extra goodies they put in there for you. You know, all those nice videos of people like peeling 
some screen mm. protector off a new phone or whatever, and it's like very satisfying. You should feel the same way about peeling these vulnerable programs off of your machine as well. Kit. Somebody should make a video of that. Oh, mm. isn't that nice? Uninstalling. Look at it. Look at it. Uninstalling. <laughs> Perfect. It should have a beautiful sound like when you recycle something and you can hear it in the bin. Yeah. Although the bin always sounds empty, which I know isn't true. My recycling bin on my machine. Anyway. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. They ought to change the sound based on how much yeah. junk you got in there. Some like crumpled know. noises as you throw paper on paper. Yes, please. Get on that What's computer's the sound of noise a manufacturers. Huh? I want to know the sound of a PNG in my recycling <laughs> bin. When I was a little kid, we used to go to the recycling bins. This was in New York State, but they, they had these big recycle bins for glass. And I think it was like the only one they did. And can you imagine like a four or five-year-old boy getting to throw glass into a thing, you know, and break as much as you like want? I mean, that was just fun. like bliss for a little kid. It was like once in a while, you get to go to this thing and break all the glass you want to. Woohoo! We should do that for folks in InfoSec yeah. to relieve the stress <laughs> Absolutely. of the day-to-day. The weekly shatter. The weekly shatter. <laughs> Where's Bill? Oh, weekly shatter. Oh. <laughs> well, then let's let's hop right on to the hoodie rating here, and let's approach it uh, as if we're coming from a network defender's point of view here. So, if you are a Dell organization, uh, I'm using that that brand quite prevalently. What what would that look like in terms of hoodie ratings? How concerned should you be with something like this? Um, I think from a vulnerability management standpoint, it's it's a pretty high priority to make sure that you get your this particular patch rolled out as quickly as possible. Uh, so I'm gonna since the proof of concept code is out there, and since this can allow for, you know, remote code execution on most Dell laptops. I guess I'm going to give it like a six. Six it is. What about you, Tim? Yeah, I I think it is in that range also, partly because um, there are a lot of people out there who won't necessarily um, delete this utility and might not update it. And so this is going to be kind of a field day for attackers. So... Um, yeah, I think six. I'll go with six also. I think that that's kind of where this one sits. Okay, perfect. Um, and a great segue into our next topic. Threat actor goes on a power trip. Uh, so basically, according to an article in E&E News, an energy company providing power in several Western U.S. states experienced a denial of service condition. I wonder how healthcare companies would code that. Um, and it was serious enough to warrant reporting it to the government's energy authority. So, Tim, 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 Tim. Yes, Kelsey. <laughs> would you be willing to power through key takeaways from this quote unquote cyber event? Well, I'd be absolutely energized to do that, Kelsey. So <laughs> first of all, I this is one of those things where I feel almost like what they're not saying speaks louder than what they are, which 
always makes me a little bit suspicious. Like, is, was this thing worse than what's being portrayed here? Granted, it's being called a denial of service attack uh, or a denial of service, right? Actually, they specifically do not want to use the word attack, so that's fine. Uh, a denial of service event, and it was not denial of electric service, um, except for those people that didn't pay their bills, but that's supposed to go that way. Um, <laughs> that's a feature, and not so, a bug. <laughs> that's right. That's a feature. Uh, it did not affect the power grid, apparently, and... Um, the the other thing about this is that uh, it was supposedly due to a vulnerability that had been patched previously. So the unnamed as yet uh, power company that was affected by this um, is probably doing a little bit of sheepish explaining about why they didn't patch that thing that uh, for which the patch was already out there. I think it's important to note that a denial of service condition can be different than a denial of service attack. And I don't know exactly what happened in this incident because they aren't releasing much information, but a denial of service condition can exist without any attacker. So, I mean, we've all we've all experienced like the email storm, the reply all storm, yeah. where you accidentally like break your exchange server or something because everybody is replying all or like a out of office, like back and that's forth. That's the one that it is. It's like those out oh, of office is? things that go crazy. Yeah. yeah. So that's the denial of service condition versus a denial of service attack. So it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. Those are the words they're choosing to use, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, um, and this leads to what I have this psychic feeling that Kelsey might ask me, and just ask me the next question, and let's see if that's a good segue from what Emily was just talking about. Tim, how does the DOE define a cyber event? Perfect. That is a great segue from what Emily was just talking about, <laughs> because when they use this term cyber event, for one thing, they're trying not to use overly dramatic terms, um, and they. Uh, but one part of that definition is that it occurs from unauthorized access. So in this case, it's probably not an accidental denial of service condition, but um, and so I have the feeling somebody bad was in there doing something. But again, they're not giving us a lot of details on what it was. So are there any other? instances of these types of events that it's, you've seen recently? Yeah, it's a little bit tricky to answer that in the sense that because they're not telling us much about what this event actually was, uh, you don't know, right? I mean, everybody always, we still are talking about that event that happened in Ukraine where their power grid was taken down for a while. That was in what, 2015 or there something like that? There was one in 2015 and one in 2016 or 2016. Yeah. How so it's old so. Was Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. He would have been uh, 204. No. Mm. Is that right? No, 206. I think he yeah. would have been 206. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and. As far as um, similar events to this one in the U.S., I don't, uh, I haven't heard about a lot of other ones. Now, if we stretch the um, question a little bit out to go beyond power utilities specifically, there's the one that we talked about um, a few episodes ago that was a great model of how the the, the victim responded to that um, attack, but. Um, but it's hard to know exactly how much there's been of this kind of activity. We definitely know that attackers are uh, knocking on the doors of the power grid, so to speak. <laughs> and it sounds like there's not a lot of information regarding this specific event. The DOE and the Western Electricity Coordinating Council have been fairly tight-lipped. So is there any other detail that we can provide, or is this pretty much where we're at? 
No, I think, I mean, there's really not not much that uh, that we can say about it. And in fact, their, their statement from their spokesperson basically said, for security purposes, we cannot disclose any further information beyond what's already been made public, which is essentially what we've discussed here. So... I, you know, it's not it's not great for helping us put more juicy content into this episode of Breaking Badness because I really wish the uh, Western Energy Coordinating Council would would work with us a little bit more here and give us give us a little more material. But unfortunately, so we just don't know that much about what happened here. Yeah, I do have an important question for you, which is: Are all folks that work in the bicycle industry spokespeople? Oh. Now you're just peddling all kinds of wisdom. <laughs> they are peddlers. Fantastic. Okay, so it sounds like, too, do we have any sense of who's impacted by this disruption? Well, I was going to get all wise guy and say, Mr. George H. Pemberton of 75 Daisy Chase Lane in Weed, California, was affected by this event, as well as 30 unfortunate alpacas from Provo. <laughs> but that's all a lie. <laughs> Oh I don't know gosh. if anybody except the unnamed utility and the people who had to respond to this event were affected by it. There, you know, maybe some alpacas were affected. It's possible. They, I noticed. They're being tight-lipped. There, yeah, there was absolutely no uh, statement about alpacas not being affected right. by this incident. There was assume. no denial of Just alpaca service. outcomes. So, yeah, what aren't they saying? Exactly. Back to that. <laughs> All right, so I know we have very little to work off here. Emily, I'm going to start with you. From a hoodie rating perspective, what would you uh, would you give this if you were this unnamed energy company, let's say? Considering the information I do have and how limited it is, I'm actually going to rate this one kind of low. I'm going to rate it around a three because if it is a de- denial of service condition, then it's like it's like not a hoodie. But it was problem. a cyber event which has unauthorized access mm. attached to it, according to the DOE. Nobody invited us I'll just to put event. that out there. That's a good point. That's a good mm. point. I think it, it's so hard to rate this one because we don't know anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's either three or seven. <laughs> Take your pick, <laughs> Lucky Kelsey. number three. I think that's, that's kind of where we're left with this because they're being so tight-lipped about mm. it. So... <laughs> So glad that I chose to use that vocabulary. <laughs> so I think, you know, yeah, I would also give it a two with a big asterisk that says ex- unless it's like a nine yeah. and you're just not telling us that. Noted. So three or seven and two or nine. Yeah. This is so clear now. <laughs> I know exactly where we're at in terms of risk. So it's like me trying to pack for a trip. Do I need three jeans or nine? <laughs> <laughs> round up, round up. Okay, well, let's segue then. To the most serious article on this week's for sure, everybody, brace yourself. So the title is "Cartoon Network Dances on Air." Cartoon Network websites in at least 16 countries or regions have been hacked over the weekend to play videos of Arabic memes and a Brazilian male stripper, among other things. I have so many questions. I don't <laughs> quite know where to start, but Emily. I gotta know who do we do we know who carried out this attack? Um, apparently, it is known who carried out this attack. And the the few articles I looked at, it said it was two Brazilian hackers, and none of the articles I read actually named 
and shamed, if you will, these people. I'm sure there is somewhere out there that named him and shamed him or else named and praised them, depending on what kind of article it was. But um, what they did was they defaced the websites by replacing the videos um, with, as you mentioned, a multitude of things. Dot, (laughs) dot, dot. Need noun. Need noun immediately. (laughs) Trying so hard here (laughs) to... um, not to dance around the to subject. To dance you will. around the subject at hand, which is Ricardo Milos. <laughs> he <laughs> was a subject of this defacement <laughs> party. Defacement party. Now, a, here, here's I've just got one question. So, I, one? you know, as I understand <laughs> it, I have so many questions, but I'm going <laughs> to limit it here. I don't have a TV, so I probably am like the least qualified to comment on this, but I. As I understand, like Cartoon Network has become less and less PG over the years. So, I mean, the question is, is this really that different, this particular Brazilian dude from like what you might normally see on Cartoon Network, except I'm guessing he was not animated. But, I mean, they got some risque stuff on there, right? I'm like if you're on there late at night, is that true or am I, am I way off base? I, I don't know. think... All right, none of us know. No so if you want, TV if you're here. a Cartoon Network fan and you want to let us know at Breaking Badness, drop us a line, and then we can we can uh, properly comment on this. But anyway, yeah, I I, I think they probably weren't supposed to be showing that. Uh, that most was likely, a no. Cartoon Network, as as much as they bend the rules, they probably haven't bent it to straight uh, stripping at this point. So. <laughs> That was probably a little unexpected. Also, it is important to note that this was the the website, it was right? It was their service. streaming services. So I think in this case, it might have been that um, even if they do show some more risque material, I think that this was certain sites or whatever that were defaced. And so people might have thought they were getting co- uh, particular content that they had chosen and then they weren't. I'm not 100% sure. So... What is slightly insane to me about this scenario is that the dis- the defacement was live for over three yeah, days. Yeah, I didn't really understand three that. Three days? Yeah, so and to your point, what Tim. What were they doing I'm over there at it, Cartoon I guess. Network for all that time? <laughs> Budget cuts. Disgruntled Budget. insider. Disgrunt- well, I did think it was interesting that Cartoon Network responded and said something along the lines of like, we are uh, are aware of this, and we are working quickly to. No, three days is not quickly. No, I don't that's care not if very it's over quickly. the weekend. Maybe, we, maybe, like, was it on day three that they said that? Oh, you know, there won't be a day five or six. We promise. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I just think that uh, where I come from, three days to remediate defacement would have. How long was the Weather Channel showing those uh, episodes? Those reruns of heavy, heavy it was rescue. Minutes it was like or ninety minutes, right? right? That felt I mean, long. That was bam, surprising. They took care People of that. were not getting their weather. And they were mad. And here. Although I'll stand by what I said in that other episode. Weather Channel should check the ratings because maybe they did better during those 90 <laughs> exactly minutes than they were. That's exactly what I was just were. about to say. You think Cartoon Network did too? That is Oh, disturbing. that might be what happened. <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> theory. What's his name? Ricardo Milos might have better ratings on Cartoon Network than whatever oh boy. show they're oh, showing. Oh, man. Here. So they... They were all set to fix this, like within 10 minutes. And then somebody said, wait a minute, the ratings are going through the roof. <laughs> Can we have a tinfoil hat moment? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. It Hats wasn't on. a disgruntled insider. It was a marketing ploy. Yeah. Those marketing people. Yeah. They the didn't worst. just let it happen for three days. They mm. caused it. 
Interesting. They did it. The truth is out there. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should have tinfoil hat moments more often because during this podcast, I feel the need many times to scramble out of here and whip myself up a new tinfoil cap. Chapeau. A chapeau. (laughs) Oh, tinfoil chapeau. chapeau. (laughs) S'il vous plaît. Perfect. Okay, so who was affected by this, Emily? Um, Besides hundreds of children whose innocence was lost, it was, as you mentioned, 16 regions. So Cartoon Network portals in the UK, Hungary, Romania, Germany, Russia, Poland, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Norway, the Netherlands, Italy, Turkey, Mexico, Brazil, and the Africa region. Oh, excuse me, and the Arabic region. So... uh, Brazil was one of the affected regions, so the two Brazilian hackers did affect their own region to show a Brazilian male stripper. So I think the the common thread here is Brazil. It's all we know so far. Yeah. <laughs> so how concerned should the Cartoon Network be? And I will let conspiracy. I will include conspiracy theories on here. So again, if we want to have a positive hoodie rating or a negative hoodie rating, I suppose, like we did with the Weather Channel, adding value with the content, um, or if you feel the marketing team was working to improve their ratings, I will accept that as the committee of hoodies. Tim, I will start with you. Yeah, I mean, it, this one's tough. It, so the three days, took him three days. So either that means if it wasn't an inside job, this must have been incredibly difficult to rectify. Either that or they were really asleep at the switch over there. But I can't believe that was the case. So if this truly took three days to fix, like nonstop, we're, we're working on this, then that suggests, here I am, I'm going to do the same thing. It's like this was either like four hoodies or nine. I mean, <laughs> how do you know, right? Uh, the amount of time that response took is extraordinary uh, to me. So um, it's it's really hard to say, uh, but that suggests that maybe this was a more difficult thing. So I don't know. I'm going to go like I'm going to go five. I'm just going to kind of hedge and put it in the middle there. What about you, Emily? I think this is pretty low. I see where you're coming from um, as far as a three day remediation like standpoint. But I think what happened here is that. April 25th, the first day was a Friday. And I think this says a lot more about Cartoon Network's response procedures than it does about the attackers. I think that um, it's a lesson for other... uh, Security is not just a uh, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 job. Correct. And having like on-call response procedures, uh, after-hours response procedures, really quick weekend response procedures is important because um, some things can wait till Monday, you know, but some things can't. Um, and this was a good example of something that couldn't wait till Monday. And so I think that the the incident itself was probably lower around a three or four. But I think um, from a response perspective, I we don't have a scale for response, but this was just an absolute response like dumpster fire. <laughs> On the dumpster fire scale, it was 10. Wait, was it on the Cartoon Network that that dog originated who's saying this is fine when he's sitting in the fire? (gasps) Probably not. I think that was a comic. Yeah, I think that was, you're right. Excellent reference, though. All right, Emily, I think that's your next TED Talk. Uh, The dumpster fire that is the InfoSec response world? Yeah, I've lived (laughs) it, so... (laughs) 
that's all, folks. Can't do that. I wish wow. I could. We, we've come to the end of this week's episode, haven't we? Here at the we end have. of all things. Name that movie. I'm just going to assume Matrix. Because uh, Lord of the Rings. The third one. It's my second choice. I was going to guess my dinner with Andre, but I, that would have been way off, I guess. Because it's the lunch episode? That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. 